Macworld Podcast number 333 for December 19th, 2012. Welcome to another Macworld Podcast. I'm Chris Breen. As we drain the last days out of 2012, we celebrate the best of the year by way of Macworld's Editor's Choice Awards, an annual tribute to the best hardware, software, technologies, and services. For this episode, I've drafted the two editors responsible for putting together those awards. Let's speak with them now. I'm joined by Macworld's Dan Miller and Roman Loyola to discuss the 28th Annual Editor's Choice Awards, also known as the Eddie Awards. Welcome, both of you. Hi, Chris. Chris. So, Roman, for those who haven't been along for the ride for the past 28 years, give our listeners an idea of where the Eddies came from and what they represent. Wow, 28 years. Um, well, the Eddies, the what we affectionately call it, the Editor's Choice Awards, is something we do at the end of every year where we select the best products that have come out between November 1st of the previous year, in this case, 2011, to November 1st of this year. Uh, and we go through hundreds and hundreds of products. We narrow down the list to, well, I think this time around it was about 200 serious contenders. And then we got down to uh, uh, the eventual winners, the 21 winners that won, that we recognized as the best products of the year. Okay, and then as far as the history part, I'll just go ahead and fill that okay. in myself, which is uh, this started out at Mac User Magazine right. t- 28 years ago, right. um, and then Mac User and Macworld merged, and I think Macworld had its, had its own awards of, of a kind, but um, I can't remember exactly how they decided how that, that went. But yes. I think there was some kind of arm wrestling that went on, and the Eddies triumphed over whatever. I believe it was actually post. Indian leg wrestling between oh, the it? two former editor in chiefs. So, yeah, something like that. Wow. So, <laughs> so, so Mackey's are triumphed, I guess. Yes. So, and, yeah, there were, as you said, there were two pub publications at the time back in the 90s when this all was all happening. Or, yeah, if I did my, is that my math correct? No, no you're right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, <laughs> And, um, but Mac user called them the Eddies and they had the, uh, what we called the Eddie trophy now, which is this big giant bronze statue that's holding up a Mac. And it, it's, it looks like the Oscar guy holding up a Mac. Yeah. And back then Mac world actually had, I think some Lucite thing, which was kind of not so spectacular looking, but our <laughs> award was very, uh, very impressive. So I, I remember after one Eddies way back when, after the, we actually used to have a ceremony and walking, uh, walking to the train station to get home, I saw one of the winners walking down the street and he was holding his Eddie while walking down the street <laughs> and yelling that he had just won an Eddie. And nobody knew what he was talking about, but he had this giant bronze statue and was very impressive. So people, the people who win the Eddies, they tend to, they, they like the big they trophy like that it, they get. They like it very, very much. Yes. Right. Well, I, I should say for anybody listening in who represents the Academy Awards that our award looks nothing. Oh, exactly. Like Oscar. Yeah. No, it's a very, very different looking uh, person. Yeah, completely different. Um, our award is left-handed. <laughs> so please don't sue us. Yes. Um, okay. So, what's the process like of choosing an award winner? It's 
I, I want to say it's complicated, but it's actually not that complicated. What it what it, it's it's very time consuming because you know at MacWorld we're very opinionated here. We have people who have very strong opinions about the products, and some people are in agreement about a product that should win an award, and that goes really easily. But then there's some debate about certain products. People have different experiences with products, and those products, those experiences come to the forefront, and they're very much part of the decision-making process. So sometimes we end up with products that some people feel like should win an award, and but a majority didn't. Uh, and it goes over a period of weeks. So I start uh, calling the potential products uh, maybe like in late September, early October, what we've reviewed, what needs to be reviewed. Um, and then I start a series of meetings that everybody kind of goes, oh, no, here we go again, because it's a series of meetings that goes on for these, – these meetings are very long – and we just sit around and talk about products and which products should win. So it's not necessarily a very complicated process, but it's a very time-consuming process. And I think you got to recognize that, that, that Macworld editors basically like to argue a lot. And so these meetings are actually, uh, for us, I mean, they're no fun for Roman because he's got to keep track of everything. But for the rest of us, it's, it's a lot of fun because it's mainly an, an occasion to, uh, to argue with each other about these things. Okay, well, well, Dan Miller, um, tell me about some of the products that you thought were worthwhile, and, and heartbreakingly, you got shot down. Uh, you don't have to name the product, <laughs> but you can just talk about the emotional experience. I'm going to have to think on that one. I can't think of offhand of any that I that I was particularly passionate about, but give me a couple minutes, and I'll come back to you with that one. Okay, well, what about iOS products? What about Are they considered as part of this? Yeah, iOS products, we have uh, several categories. We, we break them up into uh, what you might call the mainstream Mac stuff. And then we've got several that are iOS specific. And then we've got sections for things like entertainment where the products can cross bo- those, those borders. Uh, stuff you use at work, stuff you use at home for entertainment, um, and also creative pursuits. So we have about five, I think it's five categories in there. Yes. Yeah. Now, with iOS apps, we tend to avoid iOS apps unless it's a truly standout app, something that's really, really deserves uh, special recognition because we also have a separate uh, app award. We have the App Gems Awards, which also appears in the the same February 2013 issue, Uh, and we will be announcing those, I believe, later this week. Okay. Now, what about products that let's say they just continue to be outstanding year after year after year but at some point you just say wow we can't give it to them again can we i mean we just gave them last year but this is still a really great product is there some point where you just say okay you're great and we're going to give you the your really great award and never talk about you again well there's one product that kind of falls into that right now and it's filemaker and filemaker has been around forever and year after year it's it's you know it gets better. Some might even argue it gets incrementally better, not necessarily a big giant overhaul. Although this version twelve had some uh, major features that um, I would consider not necessarily incremental. But FileMaker is one of those type of apps where it's it's always good, it always gets better, and you know every year it comes up, and every year we think, well, it's it's you know. Of course we should give it a Netty, but 
there are more deserving products probably this time around. But this this year we gave it an Eddie, and it was more along the lines of, I don't want to necessarily say it was a Lifetime Achievement Award, but it is something like that because it's just a perennial product. And, and they do. They do keep putting out these substantial upgrades that really do uh, – they really shift the product. Um, so – it's not just that, it, that it's a tiny little uh, addition of some features. It's, it's, a, it's a major upgrade, and that's what I think we were recognizing here. Yeah, because I think, it, again, talking to the Academy Awards, and again, this is nothing like that, um, <laughs> that they would have to give one to Meryl Streep every time she makes a movie. Right. Yeah. It's, or De Niro. It's just sort of like, well, look, you're of that class, and so, yeah, we're not going to do it because it looks bad if we and, just do that. And then finally, we'd get old enough. They can give you the special <laughs> Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah. Because really it means sort of, yeah, you could still make some movies, but we're done. You yeah. know, you've been in the business long enough, yeah. and, and clearly you're just not a fan. No more so for you. Let's um let's talk a little bit about some of the specific products, starting with those that are related to the Mac and the Mac OS. Well, I think the the first most the, the major one we recognized was the MacBook Pro with retina display. Um, because obviously the, the retina display really changes the game, we thought. Yeah, it's. I, I did the in-depth review of the two model, the 13-inch and the 15-inch, and it's to me it was a, it's a complete game changer. And it's not uh, because of the Retina display, um, you know, and it also lays the groundwork as to what Apple plans to do with the future of the MacBook Pro. I know they are they still have the older non-Retina MacBook Pro, but the Retina is where they're going to go with that product, and you know every. I wouldn't be surprised if they phased out this what I call the standard MacBook Pro next year and um went with all Retina MacBook Pros and it's you know it's it's not just the Retina display it's super fast it has Ivy Bridge processors uh it also has SSDs or actually they call them flash memory Apple calls it flash storage to be more precise um uh, and that helps boost the performance of that particular machine and it's just a really outstanding machine Right. So you, that's it. I mean, you think that do you think that the entire line of Macs is, has to be retina soon? You know, there's the MacBook Air and I think that'll eventually go to retina soon as well. So, and you know, one of the thing issues that I brought up with the review and and one of the things that you think about with the MacBook Air is that the 13-inch MacBook Air and the 13-inch retina display laptop there aren't there's actually not a lot difference between the two, you know, because the uh, Retina 13-inch performs a lot faster, and it's only, I think it's a half pound heavier. Mm-hmm. And it has the same ports, and it's only a little bit thicker. So, you know, to make the MacBook Air more compelling, I think you're gonna, they're going to have to go with the Retina eventually on that. Now, I don't know anything. Apple hasn't told me anything. No, we don't know anything. But so. I also think they're going to have to follow the price for, of those screens, I mean, whilst keeping the price points on their products. I mean, they don't want to jack up the price of the MacBook Air hugely just to get the Retina display. So they're going to have to wait for those screens to come down in price, I think. Right. We also gave a, an award to a technology, which I thought was interesting for this class, which is the Fusion Drive. So it isn't just something that people can run out and buy and say, oh, good, I've got a Fusion Drive. Now I'm going to put it in here. But rather, it's an add-on. So why a, why a technology award? Well, I think the reason, the main reason why we gave it to Fusion Drive is because it performed, it it provides a significant performance boost seamlessly. So users don't don't even really have to do anything; they don't notice that it's there. It gives you the benefit of uh, 
the large capacity of storage, but the speed of flash storage. Or I'm sorry, the large capacity of a hard drive mm-hmm. and, and the speed of flash storage. So it combines those two because the problem with flash storage is you can only go to a certain amount of capacity before it gets really, really expensive. I mean, it's expensive to begin with. But if you want to go to, say, 500 gigabytes, you're paying a lot. You're going to pay a lot. And I don't even think Apple even offers 500 gigabytes of flash storage because it's just so expensive. Yeah. But to get that large amount of storage, they've figured Apple's figured out how to do it with Fusion Drive. And so you can get so you get the combination of that and it, you have to pay a little bit more, but it's not that much more and the, the price performance benefit is it's huge. Um and it's and like I said it's seamless. You can even if you want, you can learn how to build your own Fusion Drive. We have how-tos on our website on how to do it. So, um you can provide your own parts, and you can create your own external fusion drive if you wanted to. It's it's just a really elegant way that they've implemented this uh, technology that provides a lot of benefit to the user. And, and and the other thing that's interesting to me is that you know Apple didn't invent this technology. I mean, there are hybrid drives out there, but they did a really great job uh, of of implementing it. First of all, they they provide a lot more of the flash storage than those other drives do. And also, it's really tied into OS X. So, it's, it's, again, it's that thing that Apple does where they really integrate hardware software nicely so that it, it, it really boosts the performance a lot. And, and the other thing I think that it speaks to is that we, we have a variety of criteria that we use for these things. And uh, innovation is, in fact, one of them. I mean, we're looking for innovation. We're looking for value in other products. So, so uh, a product can, can win an eddy for, for a variety of different reasons. Okay. Um- Moving down the list, and I, I'm not going to name every single award winner, but I did want to call out TweetBot, which I thought was interesting because Apple talks a lot about this whole back to the Mac idea, that things are starting to be developed first on the iOS, and then later they're brought over to the Mac. And I think this is an instance that illustrates not only Apple doing this, but also third-party developers. Yeah, TweetBot was one of those candidates that some people were kind of like, Tweetbot, really? You know, some editors were like, no, it's, it's, it's a Twitter client. But other editors really felt passionate about Tweetbot and that it does, you know, there are, a, there are a dozen, maybe even more different clients for the Mac, for Twitter. And Tweetbot does everything that you would like it to do, even if it does cost $20, which, you know, some people think is a little expensive, but you can blame Twitter for that, not necessarily the developer because of the new uh, uh, licensing agreements that Twitter has enforced. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's – Apple has tried is, – is with OS X, they're implementing a lot of social features. But I think you still need to go to – if you're active on Twitter, you still need to go to a client. And for a lot of Mac user – Mac world editors, sorry, Mac, Mac world, not Mac user. Uh, Mac world editors, TweetBot is, is their client of choice. Yeah. And, and speaking of, I mean, the whole the personal passion thing, I mean, Lex Friedman, who wrote the, did the write-up for that in the Eddie's article, he, he loves TweetBot. I mean, he just loves this app and, and will tell you about it pretty much anytime, it, the drop of a hat. Um, and it, it brings up the point, which is that a lot of these products are, in fact, the ones that we individually started using a lot this year. And so there is a sort of personal connection to them. It's not just a, an objective scientific process. Yeah. And, I, and having participated in these meetings, 
it, they do get heated every once in a while because I, I think I was in on that TweetBot. I mean, you know, I love TweetBot on my iOS device and on my Mac. It's, it's fine, but I use a different client for it. And I thought, well, are we giving it to it because we love it on the iOS or is it really that great on the Mac? And, and I think the majority of people said, well, you no, know, really it is. It's a, it's a really, really good Mac OS X client. So we're not giving it to it just because we're so fond of it somewhere else. But on its own, it, yeah. it stands up. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so fortunately, I didn't have to uh, Indian leg wrestle like some of that, which is difficult. <laughs> I would have paid money to see that. <laughs> well, yeah, but we live on different parts of the continent. That's so true. You, you could act. You, meet in you need really long legs. You, you could act right? real tough out there, Chris. Uh, let's talk a little bit about iOS devices. So the first one went to the iPad mini. And uh, and I think that's an interesting call because there are people who absolutely love the things. And there are other people who feel like, yeah, if it had only been Retina, it would have been perfect. But it's not. And so we actually hmm. probably argued about the iPads more than anything else, I think, because you know, we had we had a couple of different options there. Uh, and, and, but we ended up with the iPad mini, I think largely, cause again, it's, it's <laughs> to, to repeat, it's one of those things that I think if you, if you looked around the office, you'd find more editors using iPad minis than any other iPad model right now. Yeah. I think what happened was we, you know, we had, we argued between the retina iPad and the iPad mini. And I think the big, Basically, what happened, the main argument was, I'm not using my iPad, my Retina iPad anymore. I'm using my iPad mini. It's kind of a hard argument to to overcome because if it, you know, the iPad mini has basically changed the way you're doing things. They're, they've decided to leave behind the previous device for this device, and they prefer this device better. So that becomes a pretty compelling argument. So, you know, more more people are are using the iPad mini now than they used to use, at least on the Mac world staff, people are leaning towards the iPad mini more, even though it doesn't have the retina display, despite this fact that it has the retina does not have a retina display. They like that smaller form factor. Yeah. I do think that that speaks um, to the idea of what we use versus the specs. And I think oftentimes if you just have reviewed something, you've lived with it maybe for a couple of weeks you have a different reaction than, say, six months down the line or a couple of months down the line. And so you start to draw away from the specs and instead say, where am I spending my time? Yeah. And I've, I find this to be the case as well. I spend a lot of time with my iPad mini, even though I far prefer the display on the larger iPad. So th- I think that award makes sense, even though I can see why some people would say, no, but the specs don't. They don't line up with your decision. Well, right. Yeah, but we're, we're using it and we're not using this, this other device as much as we once were. Um, our friend, the iPhone 5, got an award. It got an award, you know, the bigger screen. Um, and the, it's a, it's, it has a new processor, so that helps with performance. Um, yeah, the iPhone 5, I think, you know, it's funny because it's, the iPhone 5 is sort of like, it was this product that everybody kind of knew was happening. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of yeah. hard to say anything about it because, Everybody knew it was happening, and then it's here, and of course it got an eddy, so that's that. If there, if there was a no-brainer in the whole process, I think that was probably it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I'll make this observation before our listeners do, um, which is there seem to be an awful <laughs> lot of uh, Apple products on this list as you go through it. So is it simply because Apple's uh, – oh, wait, no, three, three points. One, are, are we on the take? Um, two – is it because Apple products are simply more outstanding than other things that are out there? 
or has Apple so completely dominated certain markets that there just isn't much competition in those areas anymore? <laughs> you have thoughts on okay. that? Okay. Well, first, okay. First, first of all, are we on the take? We are not, we are on, not the on the take. We do not okay. work for Done Apple. We do not too. Yeah. Not only that, but Apple does not actually pick up the trophies, the the Eddie statues that we make for them. They disdain our statuettes. Yeah. They don't even care about the the statuettes that we make for their winners. So we're we're not on the take with Apple. So could we, but couldn't we like wrap them in brown paper bags and and put them on their doorstep and light them on fire, (laughs) ring the doorbell and run away? Oh, those darn vandals. Um, You know, I, I, I wouldn't, I haven't done the study. I haven't done the count, but I'm guessing Apple put out, I mean, compared to other years, how many products did they put out this year? How many new products did they put out this year? I think there was quite a few. Yeah. I mean, this year was sort of a big year for Apple. They, you know, when you talk about there's the iPad mini, the the fourth gen iPad, there was the redesigned iMacs that we didn't think was deserving of a of a uh, Eddie. There were the Retina MacBook Pros. There was the technology within those, like the Fusion. There's even, you know, Mountain Lion and iOS 6. Apple did a lot this year. We were very busy with Apple products this year. Um, so Apple had a busy year this year, and Oftentimes in the past, uh, maybe last year, for instance, um, Apple products got incremental updates. I mean, there were there was the, the introduction of the Retina iPad, but in terms of the Mac line, just off the top of my head, everything got an incremental update. And, you know, so it, I, th- I think maybe the MacBook Air one, because last year, because it had a, a significant speed bump um, and Thunderbolt, but... This year, there were, I think, the changes to the Mac, to the Apple line were more significant. Also, you got to remember, you know, the Apple products are at the core of what, excuse the pun, but they're at the core <laughs> of what, at what we're, of the universe that we're in. You know, everything we do is either done on a Mac or on iOS device. So I think sometimes you have to, you know, you have to, recognize some apple products because at the at the basis of what we do we're using apple products and yeah. it's almost un- unavoidable at that point and, and and even more than that i think it's we're here the editors are here because we like stuff that apple does i mean we wouldn't be working here if we didn't and our readers wouldn't be reading us if they didn't like the stuff generally speaking that apple does which is not to say we don't crit- criticize apple or give them bad reviews or some things when they deserve it but by and large we like their work that's why we're most here most of the time most of the time, <laughs> by and large. 15. Well, just so you know, I, I worked there because I like the Macworld yacht. And, and the three weeks <laughs> we that have we... have a yacht? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Roman, you haven't been here long. Sorry about that. <laughs> you don't have the key to the uh, yacht. Yes. No, I take it out on the weekends, and it's great. <laughs> um, so um, I want to talk about a couple more products that we have here. Um, it isn't all Apple products. So uh, we, we got into a little bit kind of geeky stuff. So, for example, Coda 2 one and uh and i and i'm not sure that a, a vast majority of mac world editors use coda well lex friedman's kind of unusual for for uh, a mac world editor because he's also a real geek in the sense he, he's a developer himself he programs websites he does a lot of stuff that we can only dream of and so he in fact this is again it's like tweetbot this is something he actually uses and really loves and was very passionate about and really stood up for that product in the in the whole debate yeah, and our uh, editorial director Jason Snell 
he he uses it every once in a while too, and he has nothing but a high praise for Coda Two. It's for people who don't know, Coda Two is essentially a it's a it's a code editor, but it's not just the code editor. It's it's you, know, you can use it with uh, for for like a, as a CSS editor. You can use it as a terminal client. There's all kinds of other stuff that you can do with it. Um, that's very very helpful for web developers. Right, and it's from Panic, who just make outstanding software. Wherever they anything they touch. It's easy to use and beautiful. So, um, you know, it's no surprise if you're going to get a geek tool that people would tend to prefer something that they've churned out. Because not, I mean, they're developing their own tools anyway, but they have this design aesthetic that is uh, is beautiful and very intuitive. So good tools. There, there, there's another one there I think you might say. is It's not a professional tool per se, but it's not one that necessarily a ton of our users, our readers are going to use. But ScreenFlow uh, 4 is one of those products that, Again, we use it here all the time. Uh, it's what we, we build our screencasts out of. And it's just a great product. And, again, this is version 4. It just got better this year than it was before. So that's one of those things. It's not, it's not something everybody in the world is going to use, but, but those who use it love it. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, creative tools, within our um, winners, we included a camcorder. And I know when this first came up, when we were having our meetings, we all went, really, a camcorder? Do people use camcorders anymore? We now have DSLRs that have that take 1080p video. Um, and if you don't want great-looking video from that kind of device, you have an iPhone in your pocket. So why a camcorder, and does it? Uh, are we likely to see them in the future? Well, I think in specific instances, especially if you're in, in video production, you may still want a dedicated camcorder, not just a DSLR that shoots video, although you can get good results. But there's just more flexibility that you can get out of a camcorder, you know, video-specific features that you want. And the, the camcorder that we uh, gave an Eddie to is, is from Sony. It's the Handycam HDR PJ760V. That's <laughs> uh, it. very memorable. Yes, yeah, very memorable. <laughs> Go look that up right now. And... Uh, one of the reasons why we gave it an award is because right out of the box, it was ready to go, and it produced uh, terrific video and audio. So it was really easy to use. So that was one of the reasons. That's one of the many reasons why we, we wanted to recognize it. Uh, whether, you know, I think camcorders, it's still, it's a market that's shrinking, and I think it's going to be um, what the the camcorder more, manufacturers are going to have to do is they're going to have to create camcorders that address professionals or people who are really serious about video, people who are dedicated to video production. They're going to have to address their needs specifically with their camcorders. And I think the, the Sony camcorder is kind of a start of that. And, mm-hmm. and, and in the same way that the, the iPhone may kill the point-and-shoot camera, but DSLRs are going to, we think – survive because there's still going to be people who want that all the extra tools and all the extra image quality that you get and i think the logic is the same for for these kinds of camcorders they're, they're if i were going to guess i'd say they're going to drift towards the high end uh and and with a product like this yeah this yes. camcorder is sixteen hundred dollars it's not yeah. <laughs> you know it's 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 a little bit on the higher end than most camcorders that we usually think of it's not for birthday parties no, but we have one on the Macworld yacht, and it really is fabulous. <laughs> birthday results. parties there are great, i got to yeah, say. Oh, yeah. Well, no, that's where you want to have a birthday party. Uh, so while going through the process of choosing this year's winners, some trends 
I would think, started to stick out. So where's the market headed? Um, as you go through, I know, Roman, you've done this a ton of times. Dan, you've done this several times. Have you seen things change over the years? Um, I think one thing that has been happening ever since, not surprisingly, the iPhone came out is that in terms of the Mac market, we have a lot of mature product. It's, it's, it's a little bit more difficult now to find a product that's brand new, that does something that addresses a certain need uh, that we've never seen before. A lot of products that we talk about now are like on version or in double digit versions now, you know, like, like I talked about FileMaker before that's version 12. There are a lot of products that are at least in the Mac market that are, they've been around for a while. They've created this, they have their established markets. They have a dedicated following. They're still good products. It's harder to find newer products now because everybody's developing new products on the iOS side. Um, that makes sense because the iOS is the, for lack of a better term, it's the immature market. It's mm-hmm. it's it's not as old, so it's it hasn't been around as as long. And you know, you can argue that maybe it's easier to develop products for that because you're creating these apps that tend to be. I mean, they would they tend to be a little more uh, smaller featured, or you know, they don't have as they're not as big as apps as mm-hmm. Mac apps are, so they can be more concentrated. Uh, so that's where all the growth is, is on, on, on the iOS side. And that's one of the reasons why we had to come up with a separate App Gems Award, because there's just so many apps. There are 21 winners in that category alone, in App Gems, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's the major thing that, we, that, I, that I've seen is it, not that it makes it more difficult to find any winners, but um, it, of all the products that are announced – Throughout, throughout a year, a vast majority of them are for mobile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, At the same sense. time, it's interesting to me that, that you've got – you still have some vitality. You still do have vitality in the Mac development market. When I'm looking through here, I'm seeing some apps, things like CrashPlan, which is not really an app. It's more like a service. But it's a backup, and backup's been around forever. And yet people are still able to come up with innovative, high-quality ways of implementing that on the Mac. Uh, Coda 2, like we were talking before, it's a, it's a development environment, which – Again, there have been inver- development environments forever. Um, so I guess the point is that that there is still room for innovation, even in these sort of traditional parts of the market. Well, I was wondering, with, with now the um, the Mac App Store being such a focus as part of OS X, if you see the Mac software world expanding. I think a few years ago, we felt like it was contracting. There were all these companies that were merging, and, and Apple would come out with a product and kill 12 other products from third parties because Apple clearly dominated it. So are we going to see more development, you think, because of the Mac App Store? I think it makes room for a, a, just, just more apps in general. I mean, and and I got to say, the, the majority of those apps are not going to be great, but it does allow for room, that does give room for, for new people to come along and create new stuff. Uh, just along those lines, um, we actually do, Dan Frakes, who does our Mac Gems column, he actually does do a best of every year. So in some of those, we do consider for Eddie's. For, for example, um, we had one. NetSpot was one of Dan's best of, and it was actually we decided to recognize it with an Eddie. It was that much above and beyond uh, his best of list. So, um, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of good Mac apps out there now, and 
we try to we have different ways of recognizing them, whether it's with the eddies or with with Mac gems or with other means. Well, yeah, and I do think that um, it's an interesting mix of Mac gems versus eddies because in the past. The Eddie Award winners, invariably, if it was software, you know, they'd be like $200, $300, $400 programs or suites. And now that software prices have basically crashed, um, it isn't so much. I mean, there really can be a very um, close um, relationship between what used to be a gem and what's now considered to be an Eddie because you can get extremely powerful software now for $35, $20 that in the past we'd say, oh yeah, well that's shareware. And so that, that's going to be a Mac gem. Right. I mean, we do have, we have a product in here, NetSpot too, which is free. Um, and it's just, it's a handy little utility. It lets you find out where, where your Wi-Fi signal is best in your home or your office. It does a very specific thing, but it's a really great. And that, that under normal circumstances, yeah, that would be a Mac gem. Yeah. And just to go along the lines of big software, you know, like we, we had on the nominee list, we had Adobe CS6 all their different apps. And we, even though they've got undergone changes, we just had a hard time trying any, trying to find anything compelling about those apps now, because they're just so big and almost clumsy to, to deal with sometimes. Um, They're still great apps, um, but I mean, they're also very mature apps. It's hard to find something about those giant apps that stand out. Well, I think in Adobe's case, the push seems to be so much to get you into the cloud and use their cloud services that they, I mean, Adobe seems like they're de-emphasizing their applications, that really what they're trying to do is is change the model, and that's the big innovation going on there. So I can understand why you'd look at CS6 and go, yeah, okay, I get, there's more powerful stuff, more integration, and there's more integration with this service, and, and maybe that's what you focus on, you know, next time we visit Adobe Next year, it may be something where we're looking at their cloud stuff versus a software package. Ah, but I can see by the clock on the wall that it's uh, it's time for the um, the uh, holiday party that will be held on the Macworld yacht, and we're all going to Tahiti. <laughs> so, except Roman, except me, because uh, I don't know about this. Yacht. You no, know, well, you'd have to know where it's docked, and apparently, you don't. So, uh, while we're uh, getting on our um, our sailor costumes. You can read the complete list of winners with accompanying descriptions extolling the virtues of each and every one of these products at Macworld.com. And thank you, Roman, and thank you, Dan, for being here. No problem. Thank you. And that wraps up this edition of the Macworld Podcast. I'd like to thank Dan Miller, Roman Loyola, and, of course, you for listening. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at macworld.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 415-967-3622. This is Chris Breen reminding you that you can find more Apple, macOS, iOS, and technology news, views, and information at macworld.com. See you around.